I would like to encourage you to open in your scriptures. I'm going to be reading from Psalm 61. And if you would also look in the letter of Paul to the Romans, I'll be addressing there the fifth chapter. And throughout the message, I'll also be dealing with other scriptures. But let us listen to the word of God as we find it in Psalm 61. O oh God, listen to my cry. Hear my prayer. From the ends of the earth, I cry to you for help. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the towering rock of safety. For you are my refuge, my safe refuge, a fortress where my enemies cannot reach me. Let me live in your sanctuary and be safe beneath the shelter of your wings. By the way, if you're looking at Scripture, there is a Selah there. That's one of the pauses that we do. That's where I get them from. For you have heard my vows of God. You have given me an inheritance reserved for those who fear your name. Add many years to the life of the king. May, may his years span the generations. May he reign under God's protection forever. May your unfailing love and faithfulness watch over him. Then will I sing praises to your name forever as I fulfill my vows each day. The word of the Lord. From Romans, the apostle writes to the church in Romans saying, Therefore, in chapter 5 says, Therefore, since we have been made right with God by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. The word of the Lord. In the last, uh, last week, you had a, a, a foreigner preaching to you guys. Uh, who was it? Tino. Oh, Tino. He's from the village. Okay, he's not. Tino. And, and, and Tino uh, shared with me how bad you behave with him. No. <laughs> He really enjoys it, and he finds this congregation to also be part of his heart. And he prays for us diligently as, uh, as uh, we move forward, and he's very encouraged. What you don't know is that he's one of my, my crying shoulders, <laughs> just across the way from where I live. But I've been sharing and teaching about the grace of God. And the grace of God, we typically think of it as an undeserved gift of God, right? Do we agree with that? that God's grace is undeserved. It is a gift from God. But unfortunately, many of us stop there and don't really think that God's grace actually can do a lot more than what it's supposed to. Let me get all that stuff in there before I move on. God's grace is coupled with God's power. Do you understand that? That because God is powerful in mercy... Because God is powerful in love. Because God's mercies are always and they're never ending. All that translates into the word grace. We don't deserve it. Do we know that? 
Amen. But God, in the richness, in the richness of God's love, as Paul says in the first chapter, he bestows on us that grace. Now, that grace is not like depression coffee. You know why? In the 1980s, a group from seminary where I was uh, actually studying my degree in Christian psychology before God changed my plans and did (laughs) this thing, um, they went to churches to study the coffee that was served in some churches. And they found something, particularly in Presbyterian churches, because we are so organized, and I say that positively. Actually, some people who are not coming from our churches, they go to our churches and look in front of your pews. Look in front of them. There's some little holes in there. We know what that is for, right? Nobody else knows what that's for. You know what that is for? Good. You know what that's for? Good. But a lot of people don't know. And one day I was told, oh my God, you guys are so organized. You even have a little hole for, for the cup that you use once a month. He says, yeah, that's us, Presbyterians. Okay? So, right? And that's not bad. But we have it so well organized that sometimes we forget about it. And, and the whole idea was that they decided to go to churches, and in every church kitchen, they found the recipe for coffee. Um, do we have one here, Buck and, and David? Do we have a recipe? No? Was there one over there at Calvary? Was there a little paper that said, you put this much of coffee, this much water? There was one, right? Uh, was there one here? Was there one at Woodlawn? Guess what? There's one in every church. But with the advent of these other things that we find out when we're in seminary have nothing to do. <laughs> and, and, and what we found out was that every church has one of those. But guess what? Those recipes have been carried on from generation to generation. And with the advent of Starbucks and good high quality IV coffee <laughs> and, and, and the need for heavier caffeine in our society, nobody liked that church coffee. Because the recipes, they found out that 83% of the recipes that they found out in 72 churches were drawn in the Depression era. So the coffee was Depression coffee. It was an imitation of coffee. Remember when they just showed the coffee to the water? (laughs) I don't remember. (laughs) I'm from the Starbucks era. (laughs) But that's what happened. But guess what? And I wonder to what degree we Reformed believers have accepted grace like depression coffee. I wonder if we have accepted grace that is only sufficient for a mere salvation. That's it. Well, let me propose to you it's not. No, 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 no. God's grace is powerful. That's why it is combined with dynamite, because it explodes. It makes things happen. It moves what was there to allow something new to be built. That's what dynamite does. When I was at Fifth Presbyterian Church in New York City, this is a church that's right across from Trump Tower, just up the corner from the Waldorf. Great neighborhood, by the way, (laughs) in Manhattan. Uh, They were actually blasting a fifth basement in the bedrock of Manhattan. 
And the church was going to be closed for two Sundays, so they were going to meet at the conference room at the Trump Tower. Didn't make it to that service. But dynamite changes things. Dynamite gives opportunity for something new. When they destroy the old Tropicana over in Las Vegas, oh, well, there's a brand new one. It's better, right? Because what dynamite destroys is typically the old. What dynamite allows to build is typically the new. And the new, many times, does not look like the old. By the way, I was driving a, a 2005 Corvette while I was in Miami, and it felt brand new. <laughs> no nine years on it. So this dy- dynamic grace, you see, God's grace is not just a little bit of grace that you got when you got saved. It's dynamic. It grows. It, it, it just spreads, and it gives us forgiveness. That's the first thing it does. It provides forgiveness. Forgiveness. I'm going to say it again, forgiveness. And with the same forgiveness that we have received, the scripture tells us that we are to forgive others. Yeah, and it's difficult. Another thing that Ephesians tells us, and Paul is amazing with this one, he says that with the riches of his grace, he purchased our freedom. Freedom. Freedom from what? From the stuff that we know we call sin. But freedom from... Is there's another element of freedom. There's not only freedom from, but there's freedom towards. Freedom towards the good works of God. Freedom towards offering the same grace. Freedom to be who we are no matter what. Freedom if we are broken, if we are sad, if we are just angry and upset. Do you feel comfortable to come to church? I do. I have to anyway. But I remember very early in my, in my teenage years that God was not afraid or was not freaked out because I was upset, angry, confused, and, and just a mess of a teenager. I knew that I could go to church angry. I knew that I could go to church because I was free to be who I was before God. And when you are free to be who you are before God, guess what happens? Something's going to happen in your life because you will never be the same once God has touched you in that particular area. So we are free, and then we have the strength, the fortitude to deal with this ridiculous life that we're in. I was having fun in Miami. I was. That's where I live. My, 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 my orchids were happy to see Daddy. Now I have a camera. I look at him from here. A digital baby camera for my orchids. No. Look that. That one needs water. <laughs> and the honeydew list was long, but you know what? There are a lot of handymans in Miami. And I found out that they just opened a brand new beach four miles from my house. So I had to go and check it out almost every day. But guess what? I get the call from my sister that Louise had had a, a stroke. Uh, I still drove the car, though. Then, uh, as I'm landing at, I was going to say Heathrow, at Hartsfield-Jackson, our sister Leslie texts me, less than 24 hours for Daddy. Uh, Didn't last the 24 hours. 
show up in Luis Contreras' room, it's empty, it's cleaned up. So what happened here? That was the first false. She was being transferred to tranquility. Went over to her, spent Thursday night, nine o'clock. Her breathing was already actively. Gave the nurses the number, 345, I get the call. She just slipped away. She just slipped away. Thank you. And guess what? And there was sadness. Yeah. And there was a little bit of anger. And, and I had other experiences that threw me off for a little loop. But guess what? That grace gives us fortitude. And, and, and when Paul, when the Lord tells Paul, oh, and Paul is crying out for more strength and more strength. And the Lord says, buddy, my, my grace is sufficient for you. I don't think God is saying, settle for depression coffee. Mm-mm. No. In no way. I think what God is saying, my grace is sufficient. And look what it says afterwards. It says, for, it's sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in your weaknesses. So grace is powerful. It's like if I would have a, a jar of water and I would try to fill up that ba- ba- baptismal font and I would, I would actually like to have a hose. And I think we can do that because we found a hole back there. Can we bring a hose up one day? Just joking. Because it would be like that. My grace is sufficient for you. And it's that hose pouring that water. Pouring that water. That is God's grace. It's sufficient. It's sufficient. It's abundant. There's a lot of it. And God has given it recklessly. God has given it freely. God has given it as a gift. So why would God hold back on it? And give us depression coffee or depression grace. When God abundantly wants to give us the power, we just need to acknowledge that it is in our weakness that we have the power. We need to acknowledge that instead of running away from my sadness, I can embrace my sadness. And in my sadness, God's grace comes and says, but hey, they did worse to JC. Ah, that's right. And it's not about me. It's about God. And we are reminded of God's grace as God speaks to us in that way. And then we're free from stuff. Our own stuff. And from that, to love and serve. That's the whole idea. You see, and that grace has a transforming power to create new things. It has a transforming power to call new peoples into existence. I tell you that a lot of the people out here in our community, they go to church. But the church doesn't live in them. Because when they go to church, they are scared of how they're going to be judged. I don't want that to happen here. Let's love freely. Satan and the enemy has already judged us. We don't need to be his ministers. We need to be the ministers of grace, of love, of opening the doors for new opportunity, for new peoples to come to our venue and praise and worship. The Africans with drum, the Puerto Ricans with guitars, you Anglos with what were you? Twang, 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 electric good stuff. Yeah. And it also, that transforming grace brings us together. Brings us together to celebrate God's grace, God's goodness, God's kingdom in our midst. And you know what that happens? It brings us all together. And by bringing us all together, Second Peter the one who didn't like grace, 
who couldn't understand it because he was so much of a Jew that he could not understand grace. He did eventually. And he shared it. And in 2 Peter's, he shares, grow in grace. But look at the other word. What does it say there? Grow in grace? Oh, man, I thought I could do it all by myself, me, myself, and I. With my books in my little corner by my fireplace? No. It says together. Together is together. That means that it is a community thing also, that we will grow together as a church. And today we're having one of those situations where our, we're growing together and we're installing elders and we're ordaining an elder. We're installing today. We're also going to be installing next week. Pat, because Pat is out in, uh, in LaGrange, is it? And they're doing a, a nice thing for her family and she needs to be there, representing with her aunt, Joe, and, and, and Buddy. But growing in grace together, that gives us the freedom to grow as a church and demonstrate the power of God's grace out there. Remember, God's grace was not given to us like depression coffee. It was given to us abundantly. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your encouragement. Thank you for the spirit that speaks to our spirits, to our minds, that convinces and that allow us to surrender to you whatever defense we may have against the gospel. Praise you, O Lord, for your word. May dwell, may flourish, may transform us that we don't have depression grace that we have abundant grace in you, O Lord. And thank you. May we now, as faithful members, together grow in grace as we receive the new elders for 2014. Through Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen and amen.